Can organized religions still speak to Gen Z? Today, on Interfaith Encounters, we'll hear from Aziz Akanande, a Christian pastor finding innovative ways to reach his Gen Z peers. I'm Robert Hunt, and this is Interfaith Encounters. Today, I'm interviewing Aziz Akande, who is a student at Perkins School of Theology at Southern Methodist University and is a minister at God's Way Fellowship in Oak Cliff, Texas. Welcome, Aziz. Good to be here. My first question is this. We know that Gen Z has indicated in many surveys that they are spiritual but not religious. Help me understand what you think that difference is and why religion is important to you. So I think a part of the distinction of spiritual or religious has to do with the impact religion has had on some people, especially like some churches have been really hard for like adjusting to the modern age. So like the strictness, the expectations that are on people don't match up with sometimes the culture and how students and people of my generation expect things to be. So like we believe that there's something higher, we believe in a God, but like the way the religion presents God doesn't always match up with how we want to see God. And we want to separate because we're like, well, the way y'all present God is not a God we want to serve, but we do believe there's something higher. And so it's more of a sense of trying to still believe without attributing to something that we might think is broken. Right. So this is actually an answer I've heard from other folks that I've interviewed that there's no problem with wanting to serve God, but religion doesn't seem to be the path for that. You yourself have chosen a religious path, and you're a minister in a Christian church. Let me ask you, what is your relationship to religion? How do you see yourself in that matrix? I see myself as both a servant in the capacity of religion as a minister, but also someone who's trying to rebuild those gaps and disconnects that's kind of naturally developed as generations shift from within each other, as well as how the cultural perspectives have changed and what is okay now doesn't always match up what's okay back in the day with religion. So like that conflict that's kind of pushing people away from the church, I want to try to like mend that gap so that people can more confidently move from being spiritual to religious versus the trend that we're seeing now where people are going from religious to just spiritual. I see. So help me out a little bit, and maybe you can be specific about God's Way Fellowship. What are some of the things that you're doing differently from the way in which an older church or a sort of a typical religious group would have done things? I'll say a typical example is clothing. When it comes to church, we have this standard like you come in your Sunday's best you gotta hit all nines in my church we try not to make that something we overly say maybe first Sunday we might try to make that our really dress up day but the other Sundays of the month we'll try to dress down we have a sweats and workout clothes day so that if you just come as you are because we want to emphasize that you don't have to change how you dress if you don't have it you don't have it we just want you to come to God and be able to fellowship with us which I feel sometimes with the whole physique of big churches trying to have a nice presentation, 
we often forget that aspect. And so if you don't have those type of clothes, you don't have the money to afford to buy them, you feel pressure to not show up, yeah. which makes it harder for you to build a connection with God, build a connection with a religion. If you don't feel welcome within the confines of the church, mosque, whatever, for that religion. Yeah, it's interesting. So I've been doing some research on the early church in this regard. And from what we know that's documented, the early church, both the leaders and the people who came to church simply wore their everyday clothing. The one instruction that we have in a document called the Didache is that it recommends that church leaders wear clean clothes. What they wore were everyday clothes. And the problem is, at least in many traditional churches, we still wear everyday clothes, except they're everyday clothes from third century Rome, which, can, you know, which was robes and albs and stuff like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Are there other things besides clothing that can help members of this generation feel more welcome in a religious environment? I think developing spaces for conversation. One of my things our church started, but we had to stop because of COVID, but we're trying to build back up is just real men talk and we're a women talk. So like where you just get people from the older generation, the younger generation to kind of talk to each other, have dialogue about how religion has hurt them, how it has helped them, as well as you know what's the common issues that they're facing their generation, what's issues that young people and adults face in their generations and how you know, those issues have changed, how they can help each other to amend those gaps that we kind of develop between each other. Because I feel like a lot of times, part of the issue is we don't like to have a dialogue a lot. We try to talk religion with people who we think we can convert or that's already religious. We think we're holier than now a lot of times. And that prevents people from having a real connection to get towards God. If they're just spiritual. So they're like, well, if I'm already spiritual. I've already moved away. You're not going to bring me back by being holier than me. You want to bring me back by having a dialogue with me. <laughs> right. So what does a dialogue like that look like? Is that something you do on Sunday morning or you try to take it outside the church? When we did it, we did it on Saturdays. You know, typically young people, they're in school during the week. And if you're going to do it in the middle of the week, it's Bible study time. You don't want to take away from Bible study. So a Saturday, we would do it like once a month where people can come together. We just have a great big dialogue and just get the perspective about how life is treating you. And what you're going through to show that one, we do care. And two, we want to hear your opinion and what you're going through. Right. Well, I think that's a very interesting solution. I'm going to ask if there's a third one, because you've mentioned making sure the worship service is accessible in terms of dress. And the second one is this dialogue. What else is going on there? Honestly, I think the third one would just be general, like feeding the homeless and just doing outreach stuff. Yeah. As a religious community, when people see the good that religion has, it builds towards that dialogue I mentioned, because it shows that you actually care. No one's going to want to talk to you. No one's going to want to mend a gap or even consider coming back to a religion. If the religion isn't fulfilling needs that they see in the world, religion isn't being an example that they think matches what the spiritual God or spirituality of their belief embodies. Yeah. Yeah, that's been another thing that I've heard in several interviews is the idea that you have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk to appeal to Gen Z. You mentioned COVID. Do you find working with people of your generation and younger that COVID has had a strong impact on them to the extent of even being a crisis? I think it kind of 
depends on the person you ask. This generation does a lot more online stuff. And so in a way, it creates a space where we can thrive. However, there are factors of being in person to be able to physically see somebody that is very beneficial to you. It allows you to have a community connection that are able to better see like what you're going through, those subtle signs in your body language that'll let them get those key factors. So it's been good for communication in a sense of how widespread and how many people we can reach. However, I think it's been kind of bad for people who might be going through like mentally that if you don't present it on your know, online profile, no one's going to see it. But if you're physically there, you're not going to be able to hide what's going on 24-7. So I think it's been good with the outreach, but not as well for those interpersonal as well as internal issues that you know people are going through. Yeah. What are you doing to try to bring people back into the church after a period in which they did online worship, for example? We think that, you know, if people see that the church is building back out their outreach and the people will start trying to come back and help with the outreach yeah. and through coming together for the outreach, they'll eventually come back for the worship. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Another thing that has been said about Gen Z is the spiritual versus religious thing. And you've highlighted part of this. I guess what I'd like to ask as a kind of a follow up to all this is in your encounters with members of your own generation. What are you seeing about their desire to develop their spirituality? Does it move in a religious direction or is it moving in other ways? I think oftentimes it depends on where you come from and how you grew up because spiritual thinking has been developing. Yeah. So it's not like something new. And so depending on where you came from, your perspective in your spirituality either is you're leaning towards religion, just that there's issues there, or you were already spiritual from your parents. And so depending on who you talk to and how they were brought up actually impacts that answer to that question and how they lean. So I can't really say for sure, like this is one way or the other. It's kind of a compounding of where we come from, as well as the physical or mental strain and conflicts that we've experienced up to that point. Right. How about yourself? Have you always been involved in religion or is there a point at which you became more involved? I've always been very involved with religion. Ever since I was like a little kid, I knew I was going to be a minister. Like my mom tells me stories like, yeah, you were like four or five. You just ran up to us while we were having a conversation. Like, I'm going to be a minister. And then you just kept running and you're like Sunday school teachers, your teacher. I just kept continuing that trend. So I'm kind of outlier for my generation because like I was dead set as a kid for ministry. So I was heavily involved with religion. For other people, the involvement kind of starts with your parents, how involved they are with bringing you to Sunday school, bringing you to church functions, outreach, kind of builds your connection with the church and religion. And then how the church or religion treats you during those functions. Mm-hmm impacts if you're going to continue or if you might want to step back from that religion and go somewhere else to another religion or just go to spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. One of the observations from surveys has been that many members of Gen Z are actually two generations away from religion. That is to say, their grandparents had already quit going to church. They were raised by parents who could remember parents going to church, (laughs) but who themselves were very, very little involved in it. And now they're raising children who aren't involved at all. Is that your experience with your community or 
I wonder how this breaks down in different communities. Maybe some have religion has been important for a longer period. I think part of that statement is true in the sense that a lot of times nowadays, like people's work schedule doesn't always match up with church. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, people didn't work on Sundays. People had weekends off. Now that we keep shifting further and further into a seven day week work schedule. Mm -hmm. And I've had like congregation of members who will miss three Sundays out of a month because yeah. of work. And they only are able to get off one Sunday. They try to make it communion Sunday. Yeah. Or if it's like a big church function, like Easter or something that they'll mm -hmm. make sure they schedule it. I'm not going to be there at work. I am going to church for this. So yeah. I think that is true in the sense that, you know, as the generation has shifted more and more towards the seven day work schedule, it's made it harder for parents to bring their kids to church. And so the parents have had to become the church for the children. And if you're working seven days a week, you aren't able to fulfill that role fully. And so it's led more also to that spiritual practice. Because if you don't see, if you have a bad parent, then you attribute your parent to the church. <laughs> yeah. Will Williman and Stanley Hauerwas wrote a book back in the early 90s called Resident Aliens where they talk about in a small Southern community, the movie theater decides to show a Sunday morning feature. And that this is sort of a moment in which the lock of church on Sunday is broken. There's an alternative. And this gets followed up rather quickly with youth football leagues, youth soccer leagues, other groups now, right? Society now takes Sunday morning as something it can use. And of course, you mentioned the work schedule. People begin to work on Sunday mornings so that there's no longer a social support for religion, but there may be a kind of social support for spirituality. Do you think that's the case? Yes, I think there's a social support for spirituality because oftentimes a spiritual dialogue between people is a more comfortable conversation than a religious dialogue between people. If you're talking to somebody from different religions, if you go at it from a religious perspective, we have been trained to not try to cause conflict in those conversations. Yeah. So unless you're in specifically an environment that is meant for religious dialogue, you cut off of that. But you can have a spiritual dialogue with someone from different religions because you're not specifically focusing on God, but maybe the aspect of God, the essence of God. You can have that kind of conversation without causing conflict because you're not directly putting your perspective of religion in front of them and saying, this is what I believe, and now y'all got to defend your beliefs. You can just have a general concept and general conversation. I think that's really an interesting idea that especially we live in a very complicated and complex cultural and religious society. And so you're saying that a spiritual conversation is more comfortable in all that complexity than a religious conversation where there might be conflict between the religions. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's something that I have not seen studied enough, and I would love to see studied more. You yourself have done a little research on this. Is this something that comes out of your research? I have found like it's very helpful, especially like research I did was about like spirituality and mental health. Yeah. And so Christians have like Christian counseling and stuff like that. But 
I found that like it's more helpful when you don't focus in on specific religions when trying to do mental health mm. if you're trying to reach a great amount of people. Yeah. Because no one was a Christian, everyone's a Muslim, Jew, you know, Hindu. But there's a spirituality that most people have. There are some people who don't have any spirituality, but for the most part, people have some level of spirituality that you can connect to and conversate with mm-hmm. that can help develop that conversation towards helping them develop a better mental habits as well as mental health for themselves. And so I found that that has been helpful for people, especially like people going through like suicide tendencies and ideation. That was a helpful conversation to have with them from a spiritual perspective versus trying to focus in on religion that they may or may not agree with. Yeah. Let me ask you a final question. What is your hope or desire for people of your age, for your generation? My hope is for us to kind of start getting a better and closer connection with religion and building the churches back up to how it used to be when the community was more together. We had a greater understanding of mission and there wasn't as much conflict that happened between us. I know that's a very high and hard task to reach because of the fact that like, it seemed like every year the church is getting more conflicts within itself, Yeah. let alone outside of the church. You know, Christianity is having conflicts within their own denominational differences. So it makes it harder to build connections with other faiths and religions. But there are plenty of examples that we have seen of how that conversation has happened has been beneficial and it's helped build communities and cities up to greater peaceful environments that people can live in and grow in. So I would love to be able to help towards that process of building a space where people can feel comfortable enough to have those kind of conversations, dialogue, and feel comfortable and safe to grow where they are. So maybe Gen Z if it will engage with religion in this positive way, can change the way religion is. Exactly. I think a part of the issue is like if they go to spirituality, they're running from the religious aspect. But when we confront the things that, you know, have caused us issues, we have an opportunity, a chance to fix the issue for future generations. So I think Gen Z coming back to religion more and from the spiritual aspect, could be a great opportunity for us to change the perspective of religion that has been caused in that run into something that creates a peaceful environment, not just for us, but for future generations and for religious dialogue. Wow, that sounds great and a very hopeful vision. Aziz, I want to thank you very much for joining me for this interview and for being part of the Interfaith Encounters podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been Interfaith Encounters. Next week, I'll be talking with Nathan Pupko Ginsberg, an SMU student with Latin and Jewish roots and an international upbringing.